Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Wow, wow, wow. It's another year. It's another good year. I did warn you before, I am an optimist. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's far better for us to draw on the optimistic side of God than on the pessimistic plans of the enemy. I, I loved the, many of the lyrics in, in the, the songs we were singing this morning, just speaking into what God is wanting to do in us as a people, what He's wanting to do in our city, what He's wanting to do in the nation. He's coming to awaken the bride. He's coming to awaken people. He's going to awaken us, and He's going to awaken people who are stumbling about in darkness, and they're going to come into light. This is a great season of harvest for the kingdom. Yeah. Now, sometimes, you know, for a, a crop to get ready for the harvest, it needs that super hot sun to bake down, in a sense, to, to dry out the crop, so to speak, so that it's ready for the harvest. And that intensity of heat can be uncomfortable, but it's what's needed for the harvest. There may yet be some very difficult times that we're going to go through. There might be a turning up of the heat. But don't worry. God's at work. He's getting the harvest ready. Yay. So we, we go through some of the difficulties and we go through some of the, the heat of the day, so to speak. Because we know that there is a bigger agenda that God has for our lives for the city, for this nation, and for this great planet that he created. All right. What I want to share with you uh, this morning is for us to just take a step back from looking at the world through the lens of our own lives and to look at the world through the lens of God's plans and purposes. We, we tend to look at the immediate situation. We tend to think in terms of seasons and maybe even a year, right? So we've just flipped over to, to this new year and we're kind of like making our plans and we're thinking, okay, you know, for this next year, these are some of the things I'd like to see happen. These are some of the plans that I want to put into place. And so we're doing it in the context of one year. And so when we're praying and we're trusting and we're wanting to see things happen, there have been prophetic words, there's some scriptures, there, there are things that God has put on our hearts, their desires, their plans, their purposes, and we want to see it all happen today. Like, Lord, could you just hurry up? And when we don't see the immediate answer to our prayers and to the prophetic longings of our heart, we can become disillusioned and we can actually begin to think that God is not interested or He's not powerful enough or that He's losing. Because we're looking at it from a per the perspective of the immediate how it affects me in this particular season right now. But when we begin to take a different view, more of an eternal plan viewpoint, then we've got a bigger and a better perspective of the ups and the downs of life. And on the graph, there might be you know, some wavy bits. But what is the general trend? That's what we're wanting to look for. You see, if we take our faith when there's a bit of a, 
a lull, a bit of a downward slant to the curve, we, we could immediately draw incorrect conclusions. We begin to take it personally. Like, God, how could you? Mm-hmm. Surely if you, God, none of this down stuff would ever happen. Am I just talking to myself? Was there anyone else? Maybe it's for the people online. Okay, I'm talking to them. Okay, it's really easy for us to get a perspective on our immediate circumstances, and it then impacts not just you know, our emotions, but it affects our spiritual journey. So what I want us to do is just to come back and just to take a larger view. And I'm hoping and I'm trusting that by the power of the Spirit, He's going to speak into your heart and He's going to give you a greater sense of confidence in the Lord and what He's doing. That's my objective this morning. So, the message has got two, plan, two, two titles to, to what I'm going to be saying. The first one is that God will surely come to your aid. God will surely come to your aid. The other title is God's got bigger plans. He's got really, really big plans. And so it's like there are two ropes that we can hold on to that are going to pull us up out of something of the, the bog, the mud, the mire of these last two years. Two ropes we want to hold on to simultaneously. God's got a bigger plan, and God will surely come to our aid. And as we hold on to both of these, it will pull us up and out and forward. Okay. Would you turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 13. We were looking at this particular passage of Scripture a little bit last year. We were looking at uh, one of the aspects that God has, has emphasized to us as the church family here at Breakthrough, the thing of His presence, His nearness, the glory of God. So the, the people of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, out of bondage, there was the, the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day. God was with them and His presence was with them and they could see it visibly through this manifestation of His presence, the cloud. All right? You remember that? Super. Now, let's go to Exodus 13 and from verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Oops. So often we want a shortcut. Oh my goodness, can't I get there already? Hmm? Sometimes God has got a better plan for us. He's got a higher strategy in order for us to be victorious than just taking the shortcut. We've been on a bit of a deviation the last two years. And that's okay. Some of us have got really frustrated about the deviation. But for us just to come back to the place of, okay God, I trust you. I'm going to rest in you. Knowing that you're far bigger than what we're seeing right in front of us. Okay? So we're learning some lessons how God dealt with these people. He was bringing them out of bondage and slavery. They were coming out of lockdown. And he didn't take them out through the shortcut route. I have a sense 
that we are awakening and we're coming out of this malaise that we've been in, this, this thing of fear that has been over the whole planet. We are awakening out of that. Hmm. More things I'll share in a couple of weeks. But there's this thing of we're, we're coming out of, out of this place of heavy lockdown. Like the people of Israel came out of bondage in Egypt. But it wasn't the shortcut. There was a little bit of a meander. That's okay. Just know that we're on our way out. This is good news. Hallelujah. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> no more lockdown. We don't want to return. Hmm, okay. I'm talking in code here. Ne? Verse 18. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Hmm, we'll come back to that later. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So after leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Oh my goodness, I'd never seen that before. I mean, how many times have we read this? Lots of times. I'd never seen that they would be able to travel by day and night. Whew. What's the prophetic significance of, of Moses wrote the book of Exodus, right? Moses was the guy who would speak to God face to face, right? Moses had the inside track on a whole heap of things, and Moses is recording, and, and Moses writes in the story because the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to record exactly what God wants us to know of what was going down. I mean, in the, in the whole story, as they're coming up out of Egypt and the Egyptians, Egyptians are chasing them, they've been locked in by the Red Sea at this particular point. They, they're just kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? So many things that had taken place. The, the ten plagues. God was using... To bring about his plans and purposes so that his people would come out of bondage. Some of the plagues the people of God were protected from and some of the plagues the people of God also went through. But as Moses is writing and is recording all these just like mind-blowing things that God did. And by the inspiration of the Spirit, He puts in a few things that are absolutely key for us. It's kind of like we just think, oh, there's just a little bit of padding in the story. Like, what's this thing about taking a bunch of dead bones with you? And what's this thing about that they would travel by day and night. You see, we think we can only make forward progression in our journey when everything is favorable, when it's light, daytime. 
But when it's night, the people who speak the heavenly language, they say, Disnach. Okay, when things are going badly, Disnach. It's night. Terrible. And we think that you can't make progress when things are terrible. But God, His presence is with His people. And in the middle of darkness, in the middle of night, in the middle of all of the opposition, the things that are not conducive to you traveling and moving forward, God makes a way that you can move whether it's day or night. Come on, guys. We are the people who continue to move forward. We progress. We advance. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Don't fear. Don't panic. Do not allow civil government to dictate your well-being. If they lift all the restrictions and if they do all these things, then it will be well. But if they bring those things back, it will go badly. Wrong response. Because God is with us. Whether it's day or night, we're going to move forward. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so neither the pillar, verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God's going to be with us. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world, God's going to be with us. We can be in a place of peace. We can be in a place of joy. We can be in a place of positive expectation regardless of what's happening to the economy. Think about it. If God is only God when everything is going your way, then what is He when things are going against you? Does He stop being God? We need a level of faith to trust God no matter what we're seeing in front of us. Because we're looking to the bigger graph, not the little wavy bits along the way. But this thing of the bones, doesn't that intrigue you? Hmm? It's kind of like, man, we've got a couple of million people who are wandering around in the wilderness. What, what's, the, what's the whole thing about that we must take special note that we must carry some, some dead, dry, old bones with us? It's weird, isn't it? It's just that these bones were prophesying bones. These bones of Joseph, these bones had been prophesying to entire nation, this day will come. Freedom, it's coming. Hold on. Hold your ground. Trust the Lord. He will come through for us. And as a prophetic action, we're going to keep these bones until we see the fulfillment.
So let's just do a little bit of a backtracking here. A couple of scriptures for us. In Genesis chapter 50, Genesis 50 and verse 24, Joseph, he's been reunited with, uh, with his family, and um, he says to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Hmm. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. There's going to be a sign, a prophetic sign pointing to the fact that God will surely come to your aid. And it's my bones. Because I've got great confidence God has spoken. He's going to fulfill his word. It's kind of like, wow. I mean, that's, that's quite something for Joseph to be so sure of. I mean, what was he basing this on? I'm glad you asked. Let's dig again. So we go back to Joseph's great-grandfather. Joseph's great-grandfather was a guy called Abraham. And God makes a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And here is the, the time where God is making this oath, this promise, this covenant with Abram. And he's saying to him, listen, you are going to become the father of a great nation. And Abram, Kalak, this is an amazing prophetic word, but I'm a bit of an old dude. And my wife, childless, and how's this going to be? And God is saying to him, you know what, look out at the stars, you know, look the grains of sand on the seashore, this, you know, this is going to come from your loins. And he's going like, what? How on earth? God says, listen, I'm actually even going to make a covenant with you that I will be with you. Okay? And so, no kids at this point, God makes this covenant with him. And then God begins to explain what's going to happen with a subsequent generation. Genesis 15 and verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years, how many years? 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Right? They're going to go into a 400-year lockdown. But take heart, verse 14, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Can you say, they will come out with great possessions? Come on. Afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. That thing again of the, the windmill, the thing of resource which is broken, but God is rebuilding, is reestablishing. There's restoration that's coming. Just love what the Lord is saying in different ways. He's confirming His word to us. God is going to rebuild and restore things. And even if it has been a long, long lockdown, God has got a way to make things up and look at it in a moment. Verse 15. You, however, will go to your forefathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. It's kind of like, whoa, Amorites? What's that about? We'll take a look a little later, or maybe next week, depending how much you interrupt me. But God is beginning to speak, 
And he's beginning to, to outline his grand purpose before the journey has even begun. And he's explaining to Abram, and remember, they would sit around the bry fire at night. They didn't watch TV in those days. No one was on their phones, you know, distracted. Sit around the bry fire, and Abram would recount, obviously, to Isaac. And then Isaac to Jacob would tell all of the account of what God said and did. And this became ingrained. They were, it was an oral tradition. They would tell and they would memorize. That's why it was so accurate from generation to generation until Moses recorded it. No distractions of watching TV and ads and all this kind of stuff. No fake news around to destroy them. Accurate. So they knew it. This was passed on from generation to generation. And so Abram tells Isaac, and Isaac tells Jacob. So now let's fast forward a little bit through Abram, his great grandfather, to Isaac, Joseph's grandfather, to Jacob, his father. Now, Jacob, he's one of these Facebook guys with two profiles. Some people know him as Israel, and some people know him as Jacob, but it's the same guy. All right, so just don't get, get confused here. All right, so in Genesis 46, so Jacob, or Israel, he set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And, joke, and God spoke to Jacob in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. So God has an encounter with Abram, the great-grandfather. Isaac has his own encounters. Jacob has his encounter. He's just about to go with the, with the clan. Jacob had the 12 sons. He's about to go with the clan, the 11, to go and be reunited with Joseph, who is in Egypt. Why is Joseph in Egypt? Well, remember... His brothers weren't so good to him. Threw him into the pit. They were going to kill him. Oh, don't kill him. Throw him in the pit. Then slave traders come past, and he gets sold to the Midianites. He gets taken down into Egypt, and, uh, and he's in slavery. He gets falsely accused after doing an amazing job in part of his house, and he ends up in prison. He's in prison, you talk about a hard lockdown. He's in this place of imprisonment, and God is working on Joseph, preparing him in the prison because God's got a position for him in the palace. And if Joseph had gone straight from the dreamy, precocious, obnoxious brat that he was, straight, the shortcut, to the palace, he would have ruined everything. God's meanderings have got a greater purpose than what we sometimes think. Sometimes it's the hard knocks of life that allow us to learn our best lessons as we're growing with God. Our personal journey 
with the faithfulness of God, we only really, really know when we're in that place of utter desperation. Come on. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. When you've got nothing and no one else to turn to and God comes through, that's when you know the faithfulness of God. Like never before. And your heart is so soft and tender towards your good, loving, heavenly Father. Because you know that He cares for you. And you would not have known that if you didn't face all of those difficulties. Oh God, why is it so tough? It's kind of like, hang in there. You're going to get stronger. You'll learn something about me through this. Oh, and by the way, it's actually not just about you. That's when you get that emoji, shock face. <laughs> what? You mean this isn't all just about me and me being comfortable? You mean God has actually got a bigger plan and that I am part of his massive story? Wow. Yes, while he cares for me in the micro. God is busy with the macro. And he's causing all things to work together for good. Even while he's looking after you in the micro. But ultimately, he's got a far bigger plan. His big plan is eternal. Hmm. Okay. So Joseph's dad, Jacob, reiterates as they're sitting around the bry fires again, big reunion time, family's been restored, and they know that what was spoken to great granddaddy, Abram, and to Isaac, now God has spoken to Jacob, his father. And so Joseph knows. He's absolutely convinced. Because God spoke before there was any descendants of Abram. And he said, there's going to come a period of 400 years of being in a country far away, in lockdown. But don't worry. I've got a big plan that's affecting nations. And I'm going to so look after you in that lockdown period that I will then be able to use you as a nation. What? One guy, Abram. I'm going to turn you into a nation. And then I'm going to use you as a nation to sort out the Amorites. God is doing big things on national and international scales. Not just, you know, me and my little comfort today. So Genesis 48, Joseph absolutely convinced of what he's been taught, what he's heard, what he's experienced. He's seen God take him from the pit to the prison to the palace. Verse 48, sorry, Genesis 48 and verse 21. And Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And I, sorry, and to you I give one more ridge of land than to your brothers. 
the ridge I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. Gosh, these Amorites are popping up again. So now Jacob, Israel, saying to Joseph, you were ripped away from your land. You are now in Egypt. Joseph was like a forerunner. He went and prepared the way in order that there would be deliverance of God's people. They lived in the area called Goshen in Egypt, and there God blessed them. And they grew from just a small clan to become a whole nation. So Joseph lost his place in the promised land. And now Jacob says, listen, that promise that God gave to your great-grandfather, that when the Amorites are getting ready to get sorted out when the level of sin has, has reached its fullness. We're going to go and sort out the Amorites. But you know what I did? I prophetically took a piece of land from the Amorites. And I'm going to give it to you, Joseph. I'm giving you a special portion. You were ripped from Canaan. You suffered all that loss, devastation, tragedy. Above all your brothers, I'm giving you a special prophetic piece. It's the ridge of land, and it used to belong to the Amorites. But I've already annexed a little bit. I was prophetically ahead of my time. Joseph, it's yours. What was lost, what was stolen, the Lord is going to release blessing and favor. Come on. He's saying it again and again and again. This is a decade of restoration. It's not just a year of restoration. It's a decade of, decade of restoration. Come on. Anyone excited about that? So let's just do a quick recap. Great-grandfather Abraham, he gets the promise, I'm going to make you into a great nation. In Egypt, they go from a small clan and they become a massive group of people. They become a nation, a couple of million people. They become so powerful that the Egyptians become scared of them and then enslave them. But God was with them in their slavery, in their bondage, in their lockdown. God's hand was upon them, and they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. There was increase. And they were there, it was about a 430-year period. From Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, and then going into the 400 years. Give or take. And then, God raises up Mo. And Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh doesn't want to. There are a bunch of plagues. And terrible stuff went down. God showed his strong right arm. Eventually, Pharaoh is broken. And he says, all right, off you guys go. When they walk out that night, it's Passover. The people as they're leaving, they are given the salary the wages, the payment, 400 years of wages is paid back in one night. 
400 years of, pay, of payment one night. The Egyptians take their earrings, their gold, their silver. They give it to them. They give to the, to the Israelites. They bless them and they give to them. There was the prophetic word that great-grandfather had. You will come out, you will surely come out and with great possessions. God's not a liar. So they walk out there and they've been given of the finest of the land. Talk about wealth transfer. Talk about an exchange from the superpower of the day to God's people. That's extraordinary. Hallelujah, there was no shopping mall. God gave it to them for kingdom purposes. God's always got a big purpose. Yes, he blessed them so that they would have something to give as an offering for the building of the tabernacle. To the extent that Moses had to say, whoa, slow down, we've got too much. They were in the wilderness, they were slaves. Where did they get the stuff after being slaves and then meandering around in the wilderness to be able to provide all the luxurious items for the tabernacle? Oh yes, the Egyptians had given it to them on that night of Passover when they left. So they had all this stuff. It's extraordinary, right? God's got huge plans, big plans. And so when the Egyptian army chases them into the Red Sea, God's people are on the other side. The sea comes back, washes over them, and the Egyptian army, the superpower of the day, is wiped out in one moment. Economically and militarily. God is really, really big. Those that had been the slave masters, those who had been wicked towards God's people, wiped out. When God says, listen, I will sort out those who are harming you, he can do it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So you don't have to be angry. You don't have to go on any campaign against anyone. Even if you feel like you've suffered injustice. Just leave it with God. Leave it with God. He's not mocked. Remember right at the start of this pandemic thing last year. We spoke about Hebrews 12. That God was building, making an unshakable kingdom. Once more I will shake the earth. Remember that? So that all the things that can be shaken will be removed, but that which is unshakable will remain. It's the unshakable kingdom that will remain. Isaiah 9. For to us a son is born, a child has been given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. It'll be wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, and of the increase of his government there will be no end. Revelation 11. And now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. 
What is God on about? Oh, that eternal plan. We are witnessing the rise and the fall of nations. We are seeing the systems of this world being shaken so that the kingdom of God can remain. It's part of His plan. It always has been, and it is now, and it will be. Where exactly in the timetable? Uh, that's for another day. But know this. The little ups and downs in the graph, it's not about you. Don't take it personally. Don't put yourself at the center of the universe like everything that's happening with the economy and this and that, it's all about you. Whoa, just get off the throne a little bit, if you don't mind. Let's put God on the throne and let's ask Him, God, what do you want and what are you on about? And as we begin to see from heaven's perspective, His eternal plans and purposes, it begins to make a lot more sense in terms of, hey, I'm like those Hebrews. Come on, imagine if you were born in the year 230 of the 400 years. What did you have? Well, you had the taste of a whip on your back. But on the mantelpiece, there were some bones. Joseph's bones. And the bones were there prophesying from generation to generation to generation. God will surely carry us out. And he will surely come to our aid. And while I'm going through this difficulty and hardship here, don't worry, I'm still part of his bigger plan, which is dealing with nations. And mom, if all it is that you are being fruitful, with a bit of help from dad, and you're helping this nation multiply from being one person to becoming a great nation in that 400 years, that's a highly significant role and purpose in the overall plans of God. And there's some special inheritance waiting for you and for your descendants. You do what God has called you to do today. And you hold your ground by faith and in faith today. And you do what you can do in this generation. And you know what? God will take care of the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. But even as he's doing all of these things, he's working towards the climactic victory of his kingdom over every other realm and kingdom on this earth. That's actually good news. It's actually good news because the Amorites are going to be dealt with. And the promised land... It's there waiting for you. Or your children. Or your children's children. But you get a part of it. All right. Let's see if I can pull some of these things together.
a key factor in Joseph's life. You'll see this in Genesis 50 and verse 20. He says to his brothers, this is after they've been reunited, reconciled. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Even if we find ourselves in the pit or in the prison, and we've suffered at the hands of people who've done us in, even people close to us, in their brokenness, they meant it for harm. But don't worry. God has got a bigger plan for your life. You see, it's not just that God has got a bigger plan in terms of His big plans, but God has also got a bigger plan for you. The pit or the prison, that's not your destination. That's not the end point. We might go through these times, these seasons. We might be carrying all kinds of hurt, damage, brokenness, just emotional. We're a train wreck on the inside. And the Lord wants us to let those attitudes go. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing, bring wholeness, bring his perspective. Hey, what the enemy meant for harm? Because ultimately, anybody who's doing wicked things has been motivated by the evil one. So the enemy meant for harm. It's okay. God can cause all things to turn around. And so that they work together to become as though they were for good for us. You can turn those things around. Next thing you look around, it's kind of like, wow, it's amazing. You know, I haven't had a shower for 13 years. Well, that's how long he was in the prison. Yeah. He had suffered... Huge disappointment, heartache. Man, he even had the prophetic word about the baker and the cupbearer. And the baker wasn't that keen on the prophetic word. He lost his head over that one. The cupbearer, after Joseph gives him that word, another three years, another three years, he's still in the prison. But when the time was right, all of a sudden, bring out the soap, boys. Turn on the shower. Let's get clean. Because we're relocating. We're moving from the prison. And we're heading to the palace. And all of his administrative gifting and graces, all of the experience that he learned. You know, you learn a lot in prison. How to deal with people. When he was prime minister, oh my goodness, he needed to deal very shrewdly with all kinds of powerful people. He was ready because he knew every trick in the book. And he didn't allow any corruption to take place. Because God raised him up. God had a bigger plan for Joseph. Enemy meant for harm. God is meant for good. And for the saving of many people. All right, now for my next closing. 
There are prophetic bones. Things that a previous generation were trusting God to do. They didn't see it in their lifetime. But those prophetic promises are still calling out. And they speak to us. God will surely come. He will surely come to your aid. He will take us up from this place. I believe that somehow in the providence of God, originally we were known as the Cape of Good Hope. Good hope. God has got good hope for us in this nation. And we're not here accidentally. I didn't get to the bits and pieces of the Amorites and whatever, but don't worry about that. The main point of the story is God has got a way bigger plan than just my immediate comfort. And He's working in my life, your life, and he's working in the life of this nation to bring us around to the place where he wants us to be. That we would rise up and become a place of good hope. As we step into 2022, the year's not coming to us. I love that what Lisa said. We're actually stepping forward and into the year. So I do have a word for you. Everyone wants to know, what's the word for 2022? Hmm? What's the prophetic word? All right. Here's the word. Intentional. Saith the Lord. You didn't think it was a prophetic word until I put that King James there. Intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional. Let's go after the things of God. Let's look at what's happening against the backdrop of the big eternal picture. Rise and fall of nations. Come back to this another time. God is doing big things in our lives. He's doing big things in the people of God for the sake of His kingdom, His rule, and His reign. Would you stand with me, please? Are you ready for the year? More than ready, right? We're going to be on the front foot, we're going to be intentional. We're going after the things of God, and we're looking to see His plans and purposes crashing through powerfully into our lives and into the world around us. And you know what? Even if the curve dips a little bit more, it's okay. We're okay with that, because we know we're coming out the other side. And each of us have got prophetic bones prophesying to us, the day will come. The day will come. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. You plan our lives, the time when we will be born, and the place that we should be born, and the place where we would live. We thank you that you've called us to Joyburg for such a time as this. We thank you that you have got good plans and good purposes for us individually and for us as the people of God for the city and for this nation. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us the perspective of eternity and that somehow with all of the ups and the downs of life, we're part of the powerful expansion of your kingdom. So we give you thanks that you've called us to be a part of what you're doing on the earth today. We pray for our city. 
We pray for our nation. We ask, Lord, that you would come and awaken this nation. Come and awaken your people. Pour out your spirit. Cause us, Lord, to rise up with great intention to get on the front foot and to be part of ushering in, bringing in, releasing, expanding your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So let your favor and your grace, your peace, your joy, and your provision, let all that be our portion today and in the week that lies ahead. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen. God bless you.